<laughs> you, oh. you came in sideways. Well, I was just, I was just going to the store to pick up some stuff. Oh, I went out to get the milk, hey? Right, and then we'll see if I make my, <laughs> make my way back home. Jeez. Oh, wow. What an interesting twist. Maybe maybe the wizard is just summoning out a whole bunch of fathers and making them talk about D&D. Jeez. Crazy. Yeah, well, let's 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 do this. I can hopefully. No. Mm-hmm. My my kid still has a dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you get to come back with the milk. Well, welcome to Caffeine and Cantrips, the yeah. show where we're forced to talk about D&D or, or else. else. I'm Byron and I'm Sean. And today we are noteless. And why are we noteless? I think that's because we're being a little bit unique today. We're breaking Ooh. some tropes, pounding away at those rules of authority. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how to be unique and how to break tropes. Yeah. Right? In our in our D&D slash TTRPGs. Yeah. So let's uh, let's not have a long verbatim. Let's get after it. Roll creds. Well, welcome back once again to Caffeine and Cantrips. Glad to see you guys. Uh, as we spoke about, I guess, uh, we are talking about subverting tropes and being unique in TTRPG slash D&Ds mm-hmm. today. Yes. Um, kind of an interesting topic, I think. Yeah. Um, I it's, it's, it's one that's interesting to conceive of because I think this is... This is the holy grail that we all chase at the beginning like everyone, of every game. Everyone wants to do something unique, right? right? And that's that's what makes us. Um, that's that's the goal. That's the that's the rabbit that the, right. that the dogs chase. That's the carrot at the end of the stick, ah. right? That's the 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 thing. A lot of gold just, at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, that's yeah. The, metaphors. Um, it's really important to us because I think it's hard to. Um, conceptually attach ourselves when we're telling these stories to a story that belongs to someone else, right? It's much easier to attach Mm. it to something that belongs to us because then it is our story that we are sharing, not our story that we are plagiarizing and changing. Right. 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 Um, And, and so I think one important thing to note Mm -hmm. before we do talk about this, because we always like to define a little bit of scope. Mm -hmm. Do it. Is that subverting tropes is not narrative twists. So Okay. So a twist is something that's really kind of designed to be a surprise. What a twist. Surprise. Um, It's designed to be a surprise. It's designed to effectively change a lot of what's happening or your perception of what's happening in the story. Okay. This is not subverting a trope. Subverting a trope is more taking an established framework and then either rewriting a portion or replacing a portion with something unique or a kind of against type or just not considered the cookie cutter version of that Mm. to take that established whatever it is framework and turn it into something that is yours but is still identifiable as what it was. Right. Right. And whereas a twist is a is a dynamic change and a drastic and kind of calamitous one at times. So would it be something like a twist would be like, oh, the butler was the killer the whole time and he was helping you out. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the twist ending. 
Sure. Whereas like a trope would be like, oh, the butler was the murderer the whole time, but he had a very good reasons to do it. And he might have actually been the good guy. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Where death was the, the mercy or the, the nice thing to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. It, it's interesting because as TTRPG players, I find, I feel like we, all of us loved this to, to break tropes. I feel like, mm-hmm. right. Um, and I think, there's a lot of reasons for why someone might want to do this. Oh, okay. Uh, some people, I think, sub- subvert tropes because um, they're naturally sort of rebe- rebellious or non-conformist, and they mm-hmm. want to express that, right? Mm-hmm. Some might see it as a way to add excitement or like meaning to their lives, mm-hmm. because we're not particularly unique, even though we are in real life. Okay. Um, so why don't, why don't you discuss what the role of tropes are then? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely, I will. Uh, that was my plan the whole time, Byron. Oh, was it? <laughs> yes. The role of trope subversion. Let's get into that. Yeah. Because um, for, for me, at least, um, the role of trope subversion, I feel it's a great way or a great tool uh, for exploring sort of contentious ideas or themes um, through storytelling. Like themes that are difficult or maybe too sensitive to talk about like directly, mm-hmm. right? I find that by exploring it through the subversion of tropes, it's an easier way of exploring it. Um, it gets around sensitivities and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think one of the things that okay. subverting tropes is great for is challenging assumptions. Mm. Right. Um, so if challenging a trope might involve like defying conventional expectations of things and sort of establish narrative patterns that are out right. there. Right. I do love my narrative patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. We all do. We're all oh, familiar yeah. with that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what to expect. So we like it, I think. Um, but by s- switching around the trope, we can use that to explore these assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's not talking directly about that contentious idea or that contentious assumption, mm-hmm. right? We can explore it in a, in a, in a safe kind of way, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not, I'm not talking about an actual person or an actual type of person or this kind of quality. It's, it's like a, in, in the trope, it's, it's a representation of it, but right? I can still explore that idea that assumption through the trope and and, and the breaking of it yes correct right um so for example um sort of presenting a sort of well-known trope that's out there already in a different light sort of encourages you and your audience to sort of reconsider that preconceived notion of that theme or idea uh for example um the chosen one but we, we know that trope, right? The chosen hero that goes, saves the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if you, the character was initially seems like the destined hero, or maybe they, they were, but ultimately rejects that role, right? Maybe it's a way of challenging that idea of uh, a predetermined fate uh, and it explores the idea of free will or free choice. 
Wasn't there an anime like that where there Probably. was like a, a character that had like the bright hair and the unique hairstyle? And they're like, that's all of them. I know I'm a main <laughs> character. I'm, I'm gonna oh. do. I'm gonna purposely do mundane, boring stuff so you cannot make me the main. Yeah, character. The, I think the parents raised her to not be the main character, right? Because they knew she was or something like that. that. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's nice it's, tropes of version, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it explores the idea of that. Why are the main characters like this mm-hmm. in anime? Um, another role of subverting tropes for me is it promotes critical thinking about something. Oh, right. Um, because when you, when you encounter a, a trope that's being subverted, it often sort of requires the audience to think critically about that story and its underlying themes. Cause it's almost sudden it's not what we expect. It's something different, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't fit the patterns and you're like, Whoa, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And so it automatically makes you think about it in in a deeper way. Um, so like, um, especially when it's ideas that are sort of subtle or vague, like we, 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 we have such assumptions about it. Like, like we're like, this is the, the way something is, but by subverting that trope, um, it makes you sort of reflect on it a little more than you would otherwise. Cause you like, cause you know what the trope is supposed to be. Okay. Right. But because it's not that way, it makes you think of, why is it that way usually? Mm, right. Okay. Okay. Um, so so it gets, it, us, gets us to ask questions, not only. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Day one. Out yeah. of nowhere. It gets us to ask questions about what the difference, why the difference, and yeah. then what was the initial structure of yeah, the thing, why is that important? Exactly. Why do we accept it? Okay. Right. Um, for example, um, let's talk about maybe that the, the hero villain dynamic. We all know that one, right? And we talked about it, I think, already briefly. Um, if you reveal that the apparent villain has justifiable motivations. Right. Right? Right. Um, this makes you think about the morality and the consequences of your actions. Mm, like, okay. is it okay to kill that person if you had a good reason for it? Baby Hitler. Can you, can you well, explain that's, that's, Baby that's Hitler? Thing. If you could go back in time and kill Baby Hitler, what would you oh. prevent? Right, because Baby Hitler hasn't done anything wrong yet. Right, right, and a lot of movies sort of explore that. What's that one with Tom Cruise where, like, you see future crimes? Uh, Minority Report. Minority Report. Right, same sort of idea. Right, like, is it okay? Uh, It makes you ask the questions and think about it critically. Yes, right. Tom Cruise always makes me think critically Uh, about a lot of things. (laughs) Call us. Uh, Give me some of that coconut cake. Um, Subverting tropes by the ocean. no, but if it's Tom Cruise, maybe <laughs> we'll talk about it. Talk about yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing, <laughs> I think another thing for me when I when I think of subverting tropes, I, I see it as a way of highlighting uh, the complexity of certain issues, right? Um, because in this day and age where everything is sort of binary and simplistic, with like left wing and right wing, and there's no like in between. There's no like center there- anymore. There is. There is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not in, in the discussions yeah. out there. Uh, it's either right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, up or down. Um, so it, it, things that are so polarized and sort of biased, um, usually if you subvert that trope, you can, it's easier to see it in a more sort of multifaceted sort of way because it sort of separates you from your biases personally and as an audience. Hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, for example, let's say the happily ever after trope. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, it you succeed in whatever you want to do, and you live happily ever after. That's the thing, right? Um, by subverting that trope, maybe you want to depict it as even though the character has uh, succeeded in achieving their goals in life, there's still ongoing challenges, right? And it talks about like uh, the complexities of achieving and maintaining success. Right. Right. Whatever that trope might be like. Okay. Like, you know, the, the prince and princess get together, live, live happily ever after, but do they? Now they have kids and now the emotional balance is off kilter in their family and they need to like figure out how the new balance and then the, 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 who does the child raising? Is it okay to have nannies? Like it's, it's complex. It's not as sort of simple as maybe the stories sure. put it out to be. So okay. exploring those complexity of, of issues that you wouldn't uh, otherwise do. Okay. So yeah, for me personally, there's, there's, other, there's other reasons, like I said, for, for subverting tropes. But for me, it's that, uh, that challenging assumptions, promoting critical thinking, and sort of highlighting uh, more complexity in, in, in issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting because I think I think there's one that we can all kind of tackle um, together mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, uh, one of those kind of consistent rule based things where it can either be A or B and right yeah. on or off or right. Uh, so the the n- binary not liked or liked and subscribed um like to this video yeah yeah you could just jump on in uh and do that and then you don't have to worry about subverting the trope because there's enough people that don't right that's don't one that's one idea that's not complex no right no super not do or do not there is no try yeah yeah so but we prefer if you, you do you do do <laughs> so yeah. we can do what we do for you for you yeah nice. look at that um, but now we're done that because we do that all the time. Uh, you want to get to the meat. Uh, so yeah, I do. I specifically like, thank you. I specifically <laughs> like, um, kind of one of your leading in thoughts and premises to this where it adds complexity, both. Mm. And I, and I think it highlights that complexity. Well, it, it highlights yeah. the complexity, but it also makes you think more about this thing as the generally probably the player, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then with your more complex idea, you're going to have more nuance and whatnot. So when you present that to your DM, either in session zero or right. at some point before in your character kind of um, character building or character whatever mapping out portion of the game, it it's going to provide a matrix for more exploration. For yep. more interest, oh, for yes, more, definitely. Kind of, as you go through and play the game, you've got, you're not starting at square one, you're starting at square 39 or whatever. Well, and also like it because then the game is more than just like quest, achieve quest, quest, achieve quest, quest, achieve. It, there's more meaning to it. There's more yeah. meat to it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's really important that in this, in this way, Regardless of what complexity it is that you're seeking, uh-huh. it's, I think it's really becoming what you are. Okay. Yeah. And, and like we talked about before, subversion isn't something that we're unfamiliar with as no. TTRPG players, yeah. right? In, in fact, it's quite common, almost as common as every single character that's created kind of has their own unique twist, their own <laughs> unique, even if, and we've talked about it here, even if this is drawing heavily on inspiration from another character, uh-huh. right? Or another idea, another movie, another book, another whatever. 
Well, no idea is an island. It's and nothing is an island. No, definitely not men. And so, <laughs> so island of men. So, well, there was that, but we don't talk about that. Um, so there's <laughs> there there is this idea that, and we've talked about this before as well, like snowflakes, fingerprints, and oatmeal. That's oh, two. That's, that's two. Like three. I don't know. Oh, um, <laughs> three for snowflakes, fingerprints, and oatmeal. They're they're all different, but they're all the same. Okay. Right. Yes. And and so you know we have a human fighter and a human fighter and a human fighter and a human fighter, mm-hmm. but they are all different human fighters because this belongs to Penelope and that belongs to Brad. Right. And that belongs to well, at differing levels, we're all the same and all different. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so we are very much used to in our own lives developing our own sense of style our own sense of self our own sense of we we spend mm-hmm. the best part of the first quarter of our entire lives or more figuring out who we are what we feel like what we look like what we and that's not a concrete right thing, okay right but we do develop our unique sense of self and so turning around and then using that framework to start building our characters okay is something that we're very used to Right? Yes. We are very well practiced but, at developing us. Yeah. But turning around and developing something else is something that we seek, that holy grail, right? That I want to tell a unique story with a unique character. Uh, I, as a DM, want to tell a story that's never been told before. Okay, great. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, but you can tell your story that no one else could tell. Well, and you could argue that you, you, you cannot help but to do that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So this is this is more an idea of being aware of what you're doing because you're already doing it and just like giving it a little it. bit more yeah. fuel, right? Like just yeah. accepting that this is what's going on and not fighting it, but allowing your yourself to flow through it. Yep. Right. And so yeah. I mean, we could start, or I suggest we start in a lot of place or in a place where a lot of people do start their kind of character creation. Like, let's do some examples to build up and what we're talking about when we're talking about subverting tropes. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, let's break it down. Let's talk some of my most, oh, I just subverted that trope. Favorite things. Yeah. Don't turn the dice. dice. (laughs) Um, What happens if we talked about a half orc wizard? But yes, okay. A great example of a race class that is not optimized, right? Is definitely off off meta, off yes. whatever, right? Yes. But meta. Now we've optimized. we've talked about these things before. Why can't we change these characters? Why can't we change the established system to make it work? So why why can't you have a half orc muscle wizard? You totally can. Right? Firebolt is just a, a Goku style key blast. Yep. Right? It's, and it's super cool. <laughs> why why not? Shield is just a flex, right? Like you just <laughs> whatever you want to do. There's there's nothing to say that we can't do that within the established rules, right? Because we're basing this on a framework. Yeah. But we're simply flavoring things to work with us. Yeah. Right? And then going down all of the tropes of I like no, that wizard already. This is this is a strength-based <laughs> society that half orcs are probably born into, or maybe not, depending on what we talk about later. But you know, how can he blend into his culture? How can he blend into his mm. world, but still be unique? Did you cast Firebolt? No, no, no. It was Dabu. <laughs> so <laughs> much Dabu. Dabu everywhere. I didn't ask how big the room was. Uh-huh. I said I Dabu. <laughs> <laughs> 
great character already. right great character already. love him right uh i mean same kind of thing dealing with kind of another humanoid off type and we, we are very fond of goblins around here most humanoid half types what what would happen if you had a goblin cleric okay uh that specialized in healing but his twin brother the one that he was raised with was a nilbog what's a nilbog a Nilbog is a uh, goblin that reverses damage and healing in the world. It changes the system of the Funny. So the goblin who has gone through his whole life <laughs> training to become the most devastating warrior, the most killiest killer yeah. of magics, then separates from his brother to go off on his own and gain his own fame. He's just, <laughs> and he's just healing it, and he doesn't understand what the hell is going on now. <laughs> he thinks he's a failure, but to everyone else, he's the greatest he's the hero ever. Greatest, and he's just like, I've been trying to kill this one group of humans for months now, and I just I've just followed. I just keep following them and trying to kill them, but... <laughs> Every day I try and kill them and they thank me. And I, I don't I don't get it. It drives me crazy. Understand. Humans are the worst. Right? There's another great kind of <laughs> twist to the whole idea where twist. a twist, but it's not a twist because once again, we're subverting the trope. We're okay. using an active okay. mechanic in the game mm-hmm. and then replacing a portion of it to create that confusion, yes. to create that kind of wonder and wonder. Uh, even gnomes. I hate gnomes. <sighs> <laughs> and, and wow, wow made me hate gnomes just because targeting them was always yeah. like, died. funky little hair. Um, <laughs> gnomes, obviously tiny, small. You think of them, tiny fingers living in tunnels, you know, mining kind of glittering mm-hmm. things. Okay, great. Yep. All perfectly within trope. Yeah. What about a gnome barbarian who we reflavor to be artificer-like? So they're kind of like Bane, right? Like they've got this poison <laughs> juice that they rage out on. Yes. Right there. Like their attacks are all kind of little gimmicky things. Yeah. Right. Once again, we're fitting into the trope of what's happening. They are a barbarian. Mm-hmm. They are using an, a rage or they lose control of their machine and it just kind of lashes out violently at things around them. Yeah. Right. But that's okay. Because we're still falling in the rules, right? And the machine just gets stronger over time, right? Or it flails twice as hard because they get (laughs) extra attack later and like primal jumps (laughs) and stuff, right? Love it. There's all sorts of things that we can do. You know I hate it. Uh, What's that? I love it even though I hate hate it. it? Next character coming up. (laughs) Um, More seriously though, um, and instead of kind of like grabastic and crazy, uh, dealing with something that's a little bit more mental or kind of spiritually focused, you could have uh, a tiefling druid okay. who's like an Arctic one because their bloodline is from the heart of Kanya. That's, mm. that's where their demon blood comes from. Where is, where's Kanya? Uh, it's the eighth layer. Okay. Eighth layer of hell. It's, it's that like it's cold. cold blizzards, uh, uncannily rapidly moving uh, glaciers. It's like the ski resort of hell. Uh, it's yeah, it's where the mountain chases you. You don't chase the mountain. Um, there's there's something yeah, there to fast. say, like, hey, look, this part of this world is like the bloodline from my other world. Okay, and so I belong here just as much, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like this is this is what my bloodline calls me to. This is what I do. Off type tiefling druids are not normally something that you would no. kind of build together. Yeah, but why doesn't it work? That you know, kind of home is where the heart is. Mm-hmm. And my heart is is destined to be in the frozen no. world. Yeah. Right? And because it's from the deepest, darkest pits. Yeah. Well, second deepest, darkest. Pit. Pit. 
But this is this is a fun way of then once again blending races classes. Okay. Right. And the last, I think, to, to kind of move on with this kind of thing, what about a dwarf that's sworn off all earthly possessions? I joined- hate dwarves too. You know that? <laughs> we're going to trope you into hey, something. Yeah, this is yeah. what we're going to do. But what happens if a, a dwarf swore off all earthly possessions? So dwarves who are very much in the earth, mining underground. Uh, earthly possessions. Earthly dwarf. possessions. So now yeah. they can't use any of these things. Perhaps they become uh, spiritual like a monk. Right. An elf. You know. That's, that's kind of a jump. I put 20 years on and now I like trees. That's uh, how far you push that that's troll. That's how far <laughs> I pushed him. Um, maybe, maybe this Mechanically, is... Mechanically, just an elf. Part of your story... <laughs> wow. Whoa. Uh, maybe this is part of your story where, like, the clan's been cursed and has to, like, send one of their children out as part of the punishment for something that happened. Right? He, right. Has, he has to swear off, you know, utilizing the earth for a certain amount of time before he can return, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? We can pair up and we can create these subversive tropes to the standard races. Okay. Right. To the standard classes where they don't have to necessarily look right. They don't have to necessarily feel Mm -hmm. right, but they are Yeah. right. They do mechanically make sense. They do fulfill those needs and fulfill those requirements within that kind yep. of within yep. that that framework yeah like we called it before i mean going on beyond that something that i think is is come up more recently mm-hmm. but is is characters with disabilities okay where where people can players can play and find like that gnomes. reflection of like gnomes <laughs> wow uh <laughs> people can see themselves in the game Right, they can they can play characters. So if someone's in a wheelchair, they can play a a hero in a wheelchair. Yes, right. That shouldn't stop them from adventuring Mm -hmm. and and whatnot. And and because it's a game and because it's fantasy, yeah, of course we can make that work. Right. There's no reason that we can't make a combat wheelchair work. Right. We just talked about a gnomish barbarian that uses a machine to fly around and hit things. Mm -hmm. Right. This is totally acceptable. So don't be afraid necessarily then to work with your DM or work with the people around you to create. Something. So in mm-hmm. this case, uh, since wheelchair is one of the more common ones, what happens if you had like a blind ranger? Because normally when we think of rangers, we think of kind of wilderness warriors, archers, right? right? That eagle eye mm-hmm. shot from far away. What happens if they're blind? And so they've just adapted their senses to be very kind of Tarzan bestial like. They track by touch, by scent. Oh, like Tarzan had eyes. Yes, Tarzan did have eyes, (laughs) right? But what happens if you then say like, oh, DM, can I get like the blind sense fighting style? So my character is very aware of and and completely aware of everything within 10 feet. Right. Right. And maybe that expands kind of Daredevil-esque as my character grows in level or whatnot. Because I'm taking this particular style of play. And I want to go through with that. And yes, mm-hmm. eventually he can use a bow. Why? Because the target's within his his range of sense. Ten feet. <laughs> Ten feet or more. Right? Yes. Yes. Don't get those disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you go into the dark of a cave. Nope. He's not penalized anymore. Mm-hmm. Dark vision is not a thing. He's still mm-hmm. just as good. An invisible creature walks by. Not a problem. He senses them. Right. Right? Because visualization isn't required. Oh, so invisibility. These, these super things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a separate topic. <laughs> but utilizing these things where a disability can become a, a great strength of the character is a subversion of the trope. Yes. Right? Yes. Your weakness is your greatest mm-hmm. strength. That is a trope that's out there. Yes. Right. 
Um, I, I like other fun things like unique familiars that we talked about mm-hmm. before, or maybe mm-hmm. an artifact. Maybe you have a fascist like textbook that you need to teach compassion to through the party's actions. Oh, geez. <laughs> and it is the MacGuffin. Instead of just carrying it to a volcano and throwing it in to destroy it, mm-hmm. we need to make it understand compassion in order to win the war. Interesting. And so this sentient magical item, yeah, we actually have to like take it around and do mundane things like go pick 10 apples. Re- redeeming the, that uh, book of ultimate evil. Or whatever redeeming the book of ultimate evil. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and there's could be something there where yeah. it's not necessarily the character, but the character's purpose is mm-hmm. now to, to change an item's opinion of yeah. the world so yeah. that the greater world can, you know, win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever the conflict is. These these sorts of things, I think, are really out there and available to us to play with. So not, yes. not only the character now, right, or the character's ability, the character's race, the character's class, but the character's equipment can create tropes that we mm-hmm. can subvert and play with. Yes, yes. Oh, you can use anything. Right? You yeah. can use anything. And that's not to you know necessarily say that we... Can definitely use our backstories. Yep. Um, no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The uh, the kind of the true nature relevation. Nope. Revelation. 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 The syllables. The syllables. He got a little bit taller. Um. You know, developing <laughs> developing a backstory that revolves around like a significant truth in the character, right? Like a character who's attempting to understand the roles of women and men in society because they're a changeling. Oh, okay. Right. And right. They, they don't know either, but they can conform to both. Yeah, right. Right. Neither. Right. Right. And, and however you want to play that kind of exploration. Well, how does that, and how does that change? How does that change? For that character. If you Correct. Can be both right. Fluidly. Yeah, but fluidly. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am both simultaneously and I can be either. Yeah. Right. And how does that interact? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Right. What is our understanding? Like you said before, what is our understanding of the base framework? And then what can we change that to be? It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Through that character, right? Through, Through that, that subversion of trope. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, and with that, I suppose, since we're talking about jumping around in society, perhaps multiple identities. Mm-hmm. Right. All these, of course, taken with tact and respect. Um, but if, if a character <laughs> has an alter ego or maybe even they're a Batman like character, where they're just thinking Batman, where they're and, and you've had some experience with this, not with alter egos and vigilante. Um, not that you guys know totally theoretical <laughs> FBI. Um, but a character that is like a homely innkeeper and then moonlights as like a bounty hunter or a notorious assassin or whatever. Mm hmm. There's there's even a class for this in Pathfinder. I I love that class. The right, where I think it's the coolest thing ever. Two classes simultaneously. Yeah, but you can only use the certain powers, like the social powers, in one part of your. It's the, the magical girl class. It isn't the magical girl class. I thought it was like the vigilante. There's class. one modification where you can you can switch your identity really fast, but yet it's really like magical. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> um. So these. These kinds of things, I think what I'm pointing to now is look outside of D&D for other things that could be very interesting that you want to play within the game, Mm -hmm. right? Bring those other tropes in, or sorry, bring those other mechanics in, adjust them so that they're fair, so that everybody's still playing on an equal kind of playing field, Uh but then make it your own, right? 
Well, that's one of the great things about D and I think we've talked about that before, way back when one of our early episodes, where we say that D and D is such a great place to explore real world ideas and issues in a safe place. Pepperidge Farms remembers when we said that. Do they? Yeah, they do. Call us. <laughs> oh, yes. Love the cheese and meat box. Uh, but yes, yep. this is this is a, a good way, and I think. To stop giving you ideas, I end off with this one right now for, for creating characters and creating kind of this unique trope of a story. And these are all examples. Please use them if you want to use them. Change them. Switch them around. Build on them. But Faked Origins is another <laughs> fun story that we can tell. Right. So this is this is perhaps the using fabricated elements in the now to hide your kind of history. So you appear and spend all your money. So you appear as a noble. But your family back home mm. is a peasant, mm-hmm. right? And so you're just kind of a um, that Orlando Bloom, not Orlando Bloom, Heath Ledger movie, A Knight's Tale, oh, right? where yes. he's pretending to be the knight and going until he can no longer, and then he gets knighted, and then yeah. oh, he wins because he's the hero, he's the mm-hmm. chosen one. Okay, great, like the Joker. Fake it till you <laughs> make it. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to touch that one. Um, what happens if you're a fighter trying to pass as a paladin? A sorcerer mm. trying to pass, or mm-hmm. a sorcerer or a warlock trying to pass, perhaps as like a cleric, right? Or even, yeah, even yeah. like a even a rogue with fast hands and a and a healing kit, <laughs> trying to uh, show off as like a a cleric or a healer, right? Yeah, right. We can we can do these kinds of like mystery histories, mm-hmm. and no, no. Here, uh, what is it, uh, Mister Black catching notorious Mister Black? Whatever. Catch me if you can. Um, these stories where you are not who you say you say are, you are. Mm-hmm. but you can still blend in and kind of fill that role. Right. Yeah. Right. And why can't you be a combat healer as a rogue? You totally can. You absolutely can. You can build that way to be a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It's sliding past people, no attacks of opportunity, right? right? Like using an action to use your medicine kit and then bonus action using your medicine kit on another person. Right. In one round mm-hmm. while moving. In, yeah. No, there's there's a lot you can do within the mechanics to really, really tell the story mm-hmm. in a unique way with a unique character that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Or a character that everyone's seen before in a brand new light. Yes. Because right? really, it's just a healer. It's just, quote unquote, quote unquote, just. So yeah, any, any cliche you can also target with your tropes. Yeah. Like the, oh, my parents are dead and I'm an orphan or whatever. (laughs) No, my parents are super happy. I I have a loving mom and a loving dad and we have a beautiful little farm that's successful and bandits never raid there. And it's just really awesome. And then I uh, just want to do something before I go to Bardic College next year. Don't, don't. Don't tell the DM that. <laughs> Do tell the DM that. Just be like, no, I, I come from Don't a good Don't F family. with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this is my the, trope. The, the Don't DM, F with them. The DS. Yeah, this is my thing is that I have a nice home to go back to. Yeah. I'm just like a really happy person. I just want my dad to be proud. I want to make something of myself. Right. Know? Right. Uh, and well, it's probably one of like the, the, the shining, you know, beacons on the hill for, for DM <laughs> players to have. Just like, no, he's got yeah. a happy family. Yeah. He's super good. Why are you even Chill. here? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's just my gap year, before, gap year before I go to the Academy. Yeah. It's really awesome. <laughs> Why not? Why not just kind of like break it's down true. these, these tropes and memes that are specifically for yes. D&D, right? Yes. Yeah. Be the bard that wants no fame. They're just 
want to be left alone so they can work on their I just, art. I just write music for other people to yeah. sing and perform. That's it. That's right. it. Just leave me alone. Yeah. No boinking. No, I mean, no. yeah, the uh, introverted bard. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I think it's true. Though. I mean, you're talking about like building characters. Um, and I think when we go and we're wanting to build something unique and maybe, maybe, you know, you're like, how do I do that? You're looking for something unique, mm. right? And you're like, your ideas are great, Bart, but I want to come up, come up with something. Your ideas are great. Uh, um, I think there are a few true and tried techniques uh, when you're going about trying to create your own own trope, your own sub-trope. Oh, okay. Right? Um, creating your own trope. Well, you're subverting a trope. Oh, creating your own trope. And thereby creating, yeah, okay. thereby creating okay. your own trope. Because nice. I feel like all tropes that are subverted for long enough become tropes in itself. Trans-tropification? Right, because... Batman, uh, not Batman, Superman yeah. was a trope, and then long came Batman, subverting that Superman hero trope with the anti-hero, like that dark hero. And then... I suppose. And then now he became... He's now... Now Batman is a trope, right? right? That, that dark brooding hero. Yeah. Right? And then one day it'll go another way, right? So I think... Anyways, so if you're looking for a new thing to do for yourself, mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways you can do that. Mm. Um... What are those, Sean? What are those? I think the, the first one, you guys may or may not know, is uh, just by blending genres. So take two genres uh, that maybe normally don't go together very easily and just mix them together. Mm-hmm. Right? Just merge them together and create a new narrative that defies your typical genre expectations. Do you think you can do this as a player? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, for example... Uh, you could do horror romance, right? Um, another example of, of mixing those genres would be action adventure slash documentary. Slash documentary. Yeah, right? There's two different genres. You're like, how does that go together? But it could. I'd, I'll come back to this, I think. Suddenly uh, I want to play tragedy. a Steve Irwin campaign. <laughs> There's Listen, friends, you got to stay right here outside the breath weapon. I'm, g- I'm going to go in and see if I can get this last down. <laughs> right? Uh, it'd be great. It does uh, sound really awesome. Uh, tragedy slash comedy. Oh, this one's a, a tragic comedy. It's a thing. Tragic comedy. Right? Um, yeah. And I think the trick is when you do this, you want to have conceptual synergy. So you, you want to mash them together, but in a way... That works. So when you're doing this, you have to figure out in your, your own mind how you're going to fit them together because they don't naturally fit together some of these things. Right? Like um, like your action-adventure documentary. Like it, you're like, what? How can it be action-adventure, hero, like, mm-hmm. and a documentary? Like how those two types fit together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you think about it, um, just think about, you t- take your two genres and think about the things within those genres that might be able to enhance the other one's unique sort of elements. For example, like okay. our, our adventure, action adventure documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, think about how you want to manifest that ma- mashup in gameplay. Um, and you, you were along the same sort of thought pattern I had was I was thinking uh, David Attenborough mm. as an adventurer. Right. Right. With that voice. And he's just like narrating everything that's happening. And like when he sees a creature, he just explains about like the, the behaviors and the habitat and their, and their, and their diet. 
Um, and he just and he just narrates everything, maybe even the actions of the party, as if he was a narrator in in a documentary, but he's actually part of the party as well. Right. Right. And you could you could do lots of interesting things about that. Like maybe uh, in battle, of course, funny, interesting. But maybe even in um, RP sessions, yeah, he narrates people's thoughts, right, <laughs> right, yeah, like, yeah. right, or like, uh, or things that you narrate, like, oh, they're about to make a deal, but what Samson doesn't know is that his training partner has lied to him, <laughs> right? And then the guy's like, "What? No, I haven't." And Samson's like, "Hey, you lying to me?" Like, fun, fun things like that. Could as a character could right? be. I mean, your party is definitely going to um, lawful hate you <laughs> for that kind of stuff because it gets back into like the goody two shoes. I think memes. It would it would be super fun. I, I think it's super fun in in most kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. scenes or whatnot. You could just be after a long day of adventuring. The Goliath barbarian has danced upon the table and drank enough to <laughs> put out three whole oh. bovine for the <laughs> night. She is ready to find a mate. <laughs> Whether the mate is ready, right. we'll find out. Right? You right. Or like, and he oh. talks about himself in third person. Yeah. And, yeah. and then if you want to get serious, you can get serious if you want to. Maybe there's a, there's a, a traumatic reason why he's, he sees the world that way. Oh. Maybe there's, right? Like, it doesn't have to be silly. No, no. It's, it's interesting, though, because you're going to have like a narrator off with the DM. Well, it's it's an in character narration, <laughs> right? Right, it's which a, is fun, right? Yes, it yeah for for like serious moments and like tense emotional scenes with tact, of course. Of course, figure, of you'll course, figure it, you'll figure it out. Get after it, yeah. Get but that's just it. one example of how you could do something like that, like mixing those genres. No, it's it's interesting. Um, do you have a way of mixing the genres? What do you specifically? Yeah, I not like a like a. Uh, like a formalized sort of um, process to do it. I just sort of do the the gardener. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. How do I fit it together? And I just sort of finagle it. Interesting. Because I, I, when you were explaining them, it seemed like they were single, uh, single spectrum emotions. Mm. So like your comedy tragedy is like happy to sad. Okay. Right. Your, your horror to romance is like attraction of like repulsion to attraction. Oh yeah. I do. I did that way just because those are the ones that don't normally go together. So they're, so they're the least tropey. Right. But I'm, I, what I'm saying is if you can find that, that continuum of kind of the emotion and its opposite, mm-hmm. right. To slide on to, to juxtapose and smash those two together. Right. You could create your own emotional spectrums to play yeah. along yeah. with your characters. Mm-hmm. Right. In case those aren't good enough for you. They're hilarious right. to me. I, I, yeah. David Attenborough is the best. Yeah. I would love to see him as a D&D character. An Attenborough and Erwin simultaneously. <laughs> this right. is a beaut. I love it. He really <laughs> thinks this is beautiful. He's going to now go capture it. I'm going to get this, Sheila. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, next, next thing you can do is uh, character reversal. Oh, so that involves subverting sort of the, your traditional character archetypes and creating interesting new character dynamics. Mm-hmm. You you are doing that in your point, like with your with your goblin healer, right? Right. It's just subverting that trope, that right. archetype, right? Yeah. Um, but at a, at a more conceptual level, you can play around with things like uh, moral ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I love that moral ambiguity. Oh, uh, right. Again, challenging that typical hero villain dynamic mm-hmm. right um 
you it's like your your whole character might have flaws and it might be engaged in sort of questionable actions. Yes. Right? Yes. Um so the so the audience is like, oh, are they a hero? Mm-hmm. Like PCs typically are anyways. They're like they're, they're labeled heroes. They're, right, but are they? A lot know. of times they're not. I think we talked about that for like yeah, five episodes. It's true. Uh, conversely, though, your villain again might possess sympathetic motivations. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, and, humanizing. Right. Yeah. Real layers of their humanity and the depth um, that they might have to, that sort of defies your typical evil archetypes. Mm-hmm. Right. Your simple evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, role reversal. Uh, you can play around with um, again playing around with the roles and expectations of characters. Um, and you do that too, right? Like, mm-hmm. like your typical class slash party role archetypes, like, oh, a fighter is a frontline tanky type fighter, right? Play around with that, right? And if you want to see examples, we have a wonderful caffeine and ketchup series called the Unboxing Series. Oh, yeah. Which I want how to do that, right? Unboxing yep. the martial archetypes so that they're not just the, the front end hitting things with sticks type. You right. know, I never, I never thought about, it, but that those three episodes really are just mm-hmm. subverting tropes. Tropes, that, right. that's all they're about. Freeing yeah. your mind. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, look at us. I know, right? Wow. Before our time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are many, many more ways. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure you guys out there can think of a whole bunch. Uh, leave a comment and let me know if you have a cool example. Somebody you thought of them that sort of is a, is a, is a character reversal. Mm-hmm. I like to see it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I think the last thing, there's a bunch of ways, but the last one I want to leave you guys with is, um, unexpected alliances. Oh, yeah. That's another way of doing that. Um, so basically what you do instead of subverting a trope with just your character, you can sort of create unique alliances between characters, right? Uh, and, and that's the trope it's between the two characters, right? And so the relationship between these, uh, two characters that don't seem like they should be allied mm-hmm. that are creates sort of that intriguing and unpredictable story dynamic, mm-hmm. which is awesome. We all want that, right? Uh, one way of doing that is uh, unlikely allies, right? Right, like uh, you bring two characters together who, under normal circumstances, uh, would be antagonistic to each other or like uh, opposed to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the uniqueness in that is the how they're together and why they're together. Mm-hmm. The, the classic Fox and Hound story. Oh, okay. Sure. Right? Sure. Um, I was kind of thinking like eighties, nineties, maybe even before that a little bit, like all the cop dramas. Well, oh, like yeah. this one plays it by the book. This, this one's one a is loose a, cannon. Yeah, right? absolutely. Mahoney, give me your, yeah. And right. just like, it was, it was so famous to smash up those two mm-hmm. types of characters over and over again. It was it's an easy way of defying tropes. Super easy, right? But again, they were defying tropes and it became a trope. Right. A good cop, bad cop, wild cop. Good cop, bad cop, yeah. Good cop, yeah. bon cop. Bon cop. Um, <laughs> I mean, even, even in comedy, right, where you get the kind of the, the Joker and the straight man. Yep, yep. Right? Is, is another comedy example. duel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it exists everywhere. 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 Another way of doing it, uh, unlikely allies, and then you have like crossing boundaries. Oh, right. Ooh. And this is uh, you're challenging sort of the boundaries between race, species, societal divisions within the campaign. Right? Not your lines and veils. No, don't challenge no. those. That's why we have X cards, um, and you form alliances across those sort of 
forbidden or discouraged boundaries. Mm. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet. <clears throat> Star-crossed lovers. No, right. that's, that's great because this one is invoking more of the world and the lore yep. and kind of... Like Legolas and Gimli. Yes. Right? Um, so that's another way of, of sort of creating those unexpected alliances mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And immediately it's, it's trope-breaking. Right? Of course, you can find your own pairings. Right? And it's fun because you have another player to do it with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those sort of three ways of mm. um, subverting tropes. Easy ways. I like it. Right? I like that. And because they're like techniques and you can sort of just throw in the different ingredients and they're yes. immediately trope breaking. Yes. So, take it and run. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot. No. Right? It doesn't take a lot to create something that is unique, really. Mm-hmm. When we kind of break it apart. Yeah. Um, which is kind of nice that it's... It's so accepting of all these dynamics. It's, it's just a way of thinking about it, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, like I said, it's very simple. It's almost as simple as clicking on the like and subscribe buttons uh, just down there. Oh, he's talking to you. Yeah. You were there. I'm talking to them the whole time. Well, a little since, bit to you, I guess. Since you were, yeah. <laughs> huh? What? Uh, since you were down there writing a comment about your character that uh, you subverted. Ooh. Ooh. Um, character subversion on your way That's back different. on your way back up <laughs> why don't you hit that like and subscribe uh, join us every week as we talk about things related to D&D TTRPGs mm-hmm. or else so instead of or else like we were just talking about how easy it is so simple <laughs> <laughs> How easy it is. It it really kind of pulls up. A, See, I'm subverting a trope just by not I, speaking in a Hong I, Kong I, accent. I, just by not speaking in a Hong Kong accent. Wow. And then I'm resubverting it when I do speak it. Right. Yeah. Right. It's good. Anyway, sorry. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, I do. I do. Yeah. I'm a walking, talking subversion, guys. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, my, my section title here is then perhaps not, you know, segue nicely enough, but, uh, I I think, I think that when we are creating our, our stories, I previously talked about kind of PC, PC building, character building, you can even do that for NPCs as well. Now to step up, I think from the DM's perspective, when we're trying to tell a story, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell a story that's more like fresh bread and less like day old rice. Day old rice right here. <laughs> rice, bye bye. Hey, that's how you make the best fried rice. It's so, true. Cooking tips with caffeine cantrips. <laughs> so when we're when we are going and we're looking at our stories and the stories that we want to tell, and whether or not we're basing this off of organizational strands and networks and spider webs and mm-hmm. you know um, villains and heroes and whatever it is that's going on. Um, at our base storyline, when we when we break it down, kind of like you said before, like is this a horror? Could it be a horror romance? Could right. It be a horror documentary? Could it be a horror like, documentary? They, they have those. We, Blair Witch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't win. Uh, it's they never do. <laughs> they never do. Um, I think when we're talking about the complexity of storylines, like you initially put forward, and then I reinforced. Okay. Um, this is going to help you avoid linear storytelling when we start subverting the tropes of the story. Because people mm. are going to be asking what's next instead of knowing what's next. Oh, yeah. 
right? Yeah. So when we're introducing these kind of branching narratives or these new structures, you know, see water slides versus, mm. you know, like sandboxes, railroads, right? Feels like forever ago. That, yeah. Um, when they, these can lead to unforeseen quant- consequences. Consequences, guys. Jeez, my accents. They're coming out. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> not. Um, but it's, it's, <laughs> Helping you to tell a story that's never been told before or to tell a story that's similar to something else with a whole new light, right? By changing these sorts of things and adding these unforeseen kind of, like you said, ingredients into it Mm -hmm. to to kind Mm -hmm. of get them out afterwards. Um, And this is going to create more engaging kind of sessions, more engaging story arcs, because people are interested in what they don't know. Yes. If they keep doing the same thing over and over again, it becomes familiar and becomes Mm -hmm. boring and we can get burned out on it. But when we start creating even slightly new takes mm-hmm. on, on how to do things, this can create that complexity that could really rev your engine and drive you forward creatively, right? Instead of experiencing yeah. that writer's block. So when we had no blocks here. Um, so when Just we have unlikely sailor. allies, right, we could also have unexpected adversaries. What? Or adversaries. Um, it... You know, instead of putting the players against the typical monsters, right, we can, you know, or monsters or enemies that are associated with the certain environment or the certain setting, we can put in unexpected foes. For instance, you know, everyone, all the woodcutters and all the hunters believe that a new apex predator has moved into the woods. It's super dangerous. We need you to go and find out what it is and get rid of it. It's a unicorn. It, it could be a unicorn, <laughs> right? That's just like, no, this isn't okay. Something bad was here and I'm stamping it out. Right. Right. Or it could be the treants or treants. The trees turn into treants and they themselves are doing it. Um, rebalancing the natural mm-hmm. order in there because mm-hmm. there's too many wolves. and there's too, They could be doing it at the behest of a druid, right? There's too many mother effing snakes in this mother effing forest. Wow. Damn snakes, St. Peter up in here. So there's there's these sorts of simple things that we can we can throw out there. It's a good right? movie. We can it, it it wasn't? Yeah, oh yeah, it was. It was yeah, fun. It was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Um we, Samuel Jackson as a as a trend. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Lord of the Rings remix. I, I don't know that I could. I would watch it. I would pay the to watch it. The mother are going to mother war. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a purple lightsaber so he can tell where he is on screen. Um, so even <laughs> even with that, like when we, we start looking at, oh, good things are doing things for good reasons. Mm-hmm. And then when we intrude on that, oh, we thought it was a bad thing. But now we need to like stop and check ourselves. Mm-hmm. Before you wreck yourself. Right. So that that can then start pulling in like a shifting moral alignment to what's going on. Hmm. So now we've talked about using stereotypes before and using alignment stereotypes of NPCs and factions before. Oh, this is like this is like DM stuff. This is this is DM stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Player stuff. This is DM stuff. Okay, cool. Um, right. So we can present those morally ambiguous characters, those morally mm-hmm. ambiguous organizations. I love right? that ambiguity. Um, what happens if you are dealing with a thieves guild that has a strict code of ethics, right? As to like, right? We we do not steal, but we can reclaim. And you're like, mm. oh, what does that mean? As all the thieves go out in boats and they don't like, they're not pirates, but there's no problem with them diving down. So it's a, like a 
expert swimmers that dive to the bottom of this kind of war-torn area and like loot stuff from oh, the bottom of the ocean. Oh, the scavengers. Right? You could have something like that or, you know, the 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 thoughts and the kind of combinations can be endless, right? What happens if you have an order of paladins that are all like oath breakers? <laughs> Right. <laughs> they're all they're all knights. They're all considered high in society, right. and whatnot, but they all are just trying to like raise Beelzebub or something. Jeez. Okay. Right. So there's there's nothing saying you can't have this. Right. There's nothing right. saying that its face can't match. The Oathbreaker game. Right. There's the, one zombie that whoever can control it wins. Ooh, control it the best. Yeah. Oof. Rest control from the other guy. I get rough. That zombie would hit like a truck because <laughs> right. he gets all the pluses. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> that's a fun game for your Oathbreakers. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. we don't, we're We don't fight. We don't fight. That's we our just, ethics. We, we don't fight. We don't fight. We just use the zombie. Woof. That's a good one. Um, reversing expectations is another one hmm. um, yep. where, and this has been done before, and. A lot of these have been done before in different ways. Uh, in this case, let's say you're going out to save the princess uh, or a captive or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you get there, it's not a captive. It was just actually the person who hired you testing to see if you could do it for the next job. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe, right. or maybe it was uh, we hired you to go get this thing because we need it. But when you went there, it's actually something that's a doom artifact or whatever. Right. right. You, the princess actually fell in love with the dragon and they ran off together because the right. parents wasn't going to let them get right. married. Right. And I mean, to everyone's favorite movie, Shrek, this is exactly it. Mm-hmm. Right. Go rescue the princess. Oh, wait, the princess is. A troll. Okay. Mm. Sad. Oh. Right. And so now it it, it kind of I didn't bring any fire. Tumbles out. <laughs> the dragon's got enough fire. Um, but it it kind of tumbles in on itself of what you were expecting versus what you got. Yes. Right. And these are very simple, not twists, but ways to put in your game mm-hmm. um very framework strong canonical systems. Right. That have that extra part of them rebuilt. They're like more paradigm shifts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of good old paradigm shift, what about an atypical reward? So you you go in and... Re- <laughs> Sounds unsatisfying. It, it, it should, but then it should be so good. And I think, okay. I think we get moments, um, I think one of the more or most famous kind of critical role moments could be this, like, the blueberry reflavoring. Oh, right? And it's yes. just like, oh, I gave you that. A dust of deliciousness. And it was it's an atypical reward. But then right. you took that item and found a creative use for it that I could never have foreseen. Arguably one of the best scenes in that entire series. Exactly. In, yep. in, in all of their campaigns. Yep. Um, and, and so then you used this in a creative way to change everything. Yep. Right. Yeah. And that's that's why those wondrous items are so fun. That's why the decanter of endless water is on everyone's list. Right. Who doesn't need a geyser at any given right. moment? The cloak of billowing. The cloak of billowing. <laughs> what does it do? It helps you swim faster, remember? <laughs> <laughs> helps you build a boat, guys. So self-powered. Like, feel free to put in things that break the cycle so that they're more interesting. Yeah. Right? What is this? It is a toad of hallucinations. Why do we need this? You know what? I don't know. But you deserve it. All right. And you guys are going to figure out something awesome to do with it. And that's the 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 awesome sort of high points in D&D is when 
players come up with the coolest stuff with the most random stuff. That they so we're going to put a ring of fire resistance on the frog and then we're going to dip it into <laughs> the town stew pot. Cause that's the night we're doing the heist. Yeah. Right. You're just yeah. like, Oh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, what did I do? And you're like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, you know, Oh, sorry, we're out of plus one long swords. Here's a this instead. Mm-hmm. And as a player, you should probably still be stoked. Yeah. Oh, we're going to find something for this. We He's a plus one it. long cat. <laughs> how, how cat is it? Plus one. <laughs> Ooh. Now, uh, these, yeah, <laughs> a long cat. Mine's only a short cat. Um, you can do other things, I think, that can be very dramatic and artistic. And I know, mm. I know this one you'll like. Oh, will um, I? Yeah, you can evolve and change environments. So a beautiful rendition of this is, I think, uh, from Netflix, um, Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. It's called Fish Night. Where okay. there's some people caught in a desert. Yes. But then at night, it becomes the ocean floor of history. And the spirits rise up and dance yes. around and they live again. And I did like that episode a lot. Right. And, and it's a beautiful way of showing that this may not have always been the way that it is. And that mm-hmm. it was something different. And this is kind of like this beautiful, dangerous, whatever it is, this juxtaposition mm-hmm. that you want to create. But like, oh, it's not just a desert, guys. Wait till you see the forest. Wait right. till you check out the mountain ranges. Wait till yeah. you sail across the sea, right? All of these things no longer now become mundane, mm-hmm. right? They are something to be explored, to be interacted with, to check out, to be super cool, to right. be scared of. And like, no, we're just, we're, we're just never going into the desert at night. Because who cares about just another forest? Right. Yeah. Right. So feel free to change this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? As you're experiencing it. And of course, the unconventional allies that you mentioned before. Yep. But in, in this case, instead of character to character, why can't we go and say like, no, I'm breaking the tropes. No. Breaking the tropes. Break the tropes. Um, orcs in my world are good. Straight up. They're no longer lawful evil creatures or mm. chaotic evil neutral. They are generally neutral good. These are good orcs that live in here in harmony, but the humans still want them gone. Wait, what is going on here? Right. Why? They're, they're, they're peaceful. They're nice. They're just like everybody else. They just want to live and be happy. Because right, the humans are lawful evil now. Because the humans can be lawful evil. Right. They and, and mostly so are. <laughs> and, and so you can, you can subvert it that way. You can have, um, I am a powerful high CR creature, but there is another high powerful CR creature that I'm not sure I can take. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sure I can defeat it in combat and I need to get it out of here. Okay, PCs. Here. An unlikely alliance or a potentially short-lived alliance. Mm-hmm. Our, our kind of goals are aligned. I don't For like now. you. You don't like me. Yeah. But we're going to go do this. And probably I'm always going to have one eye on you. And you're always going to have one yeah. eye on me. But at the end of the day, we can, surprise, not have a twist ending. And, and it was actually like, yeah, that was the deal. Mm-hmm. You go your way and I go my way now. Right? And, and it, next time we meet, it'll be death. Okay, cool. Great. Like, Holding to the contract can right. also be a subversion of the trope. Right. Right. Because we're always waiting for the twist. We're always waiting to get stabbed in the Well, back. the twist is the, the venturing party doesn't attack that guy immediately, yeah, immediately. after the defeat. Immediately. Yeah. They, they held out their spell slots, let the other guy get beat to stuff. Right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. 
Um, mythic actions. That's what you say, DM. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it it even even as a, a nice kind of fun role play moment, um, provide them non humanoid or or kind of alien allies to work with that you cannot speak with. You cannot speak with. Mm through any sort of means other than kind of sign language and whatnot and have your party stand there or sit there at the table and communicate with you. Here's a sentient gelatin. Why not? Primordial ooze. Oozlings yeah. are a, a character race now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think he's hungry. <laughs> Feed him. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it could be a very interesting moment and a a way of once again subverting trouble of a basic transactional deal mm-hmm. can get blown out of proportion. They always do. They they could. <laughs> or it could go super well because you have somebody who's like, oh yeah, I'm awesome. What was that game? Brainiac? I don't know. Oh, the one with the clay and the art and the Oh yes, Brainiac, I think. Brainy? Mm-hmm. Anyway. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But you've got somebody who's like, I want to take on that challenge. Mm-hmm. I want to do it. Let me try, guys. And right. then you go and you do it. And of course you have fun. Yes. Right. Because for something different. And <laughs> when we're when we're going through all of this stuff, stepping up now away from the table, more to DMs and world builders. Oh, I think I want to pull out again. Okay. Right. Farther and look at this back. I I wish to have you all behold my field of tropes. Because when we get up to this level where we're world building, you can do anything with anything, right? And I think when we're talking about this, three of your core areas, this will be quick, but three of your core areas that you can maximize your impact, the first one is going to be the cultures of the world. Don't F with my cultures. I'm effing with all the cultures. You are. Right? These are the things that Bacterial the PCs are going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, these are the things that numb uh, 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 These these are <laughs> probably one of the most important things that your players will walk away from the table, mm. still feeling the full color of. Right, is the culture that is expressed through this. Now mm-hmm. we talked about organizations yes. and we talked about all that kind of stuff melding in. These are going to form the layers, of course. Um, these delicious, delicious layers. But when we're looking at the creation process of this, right? This is where you can put in those key tropial shifts. Tropial shifts. I don't know. I'm making up words. Yes, I like it. Right? That I always make up words. Um, But they can create these dramatic um, changes in direction of where things are going for very little effort. And when Mm. you continue to create on top of them, it can make these massive, massive changes. Right. So if you were to ask yourself, like, okay, what if one of the kingdoms in my world discovered vibranium or something <laughs> close to that? Okay. Right. A la Wakanda. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, this is, is controlled by a warlord, not a benign kind of mm, democracy. Mm-hmm. So they're going to use their super powered ore that they have to dominate as much as they can, as quick right. as they can. And every single vibranium spear or club or whatever mm-hmm. that you can steal from their army will make you a king back home because nobody can defeat you, right? These are artifact level weapons uh, that they okay. just give out to their brother, right? What happens when you include something like that, right? What happens if you just drop in superheroes or like level 20 PCs everywhere? 
Mm, everywhere. Right? Like, how does Jeez. the world change? Right. Right? And how, how can we expect it? Even, even if it's not superheroes, let's think about the other side. Yeah, I'm going to sprinkle high CR monsters everywhere. Mm, right? How, how fearful are the humanoids or are the main races well, it of the It changes the way the cities are built, the size oh, of the cities, yeah. how much farming they can do, like, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no longer, or no longer really do you have nomadic tribes necessarily unless they're small, light, and quick. Yeah. Right? He's coming. Pack it up, pack it up, pack it up. Let's go. Just those vibranium guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Whoever lives on Vibranium Mountain has the ability to kind of push them away. But then it's always in contestation. And there's always fighting, yep. about whatever it is. But like, what what does the world look like when we change this, right? What if, insert your trope here, right? You can create these tiny little things that massively affect the world. And whether or not you're using that for a game or you're using that as a thought experiment or like a 20-minute a mental exercise to warm up your creative juices. Right. Right? The the idea of what if was turned into like an animated series in on one of the Disney. Marvel. What if. The Marvel what ifs, yeah. right? It's a powerful question when we are trying to be creative. Mm-hmm. Once again, to get around that writer's block. Because you can say, what if anything? What if... Turtles were made out of gelatin. What if humans live for a thousand years like elves? Mm. Mm-hmm. What a messy world that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if dwarves love the trees as much as elves do? Mm-hmm. Right? It, you, can, you can do whatever you want, attack the memes, attack the tropes, change kind of willy-nilly, and this will create massive sweeping changes in kind of your paradigm acceptance of what is and what it could be. Right. Right? The second big core thing that we can talk about Uh as world building and and creative, creatively speaking, is your magic system. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Now, going beyond hard and soft systems, Mm -hmm. um, hard being really lined out as to what the rules are, um, kind of like D&D is a very hard magic system. A soft magic system is very much like... Star Wars or Harry Potter or yep. whatnot, where you can kind of just do stuff and nobody really knows what the Size limitations doesn't are. Matter. Yeah. You, then just throw the moon at them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so when we look at how our magic systems work, this will also have a significant impact and even whether or not they're acceptable, right? So Star Wars, we already talked about that and Star Wars and space wizards in general, very accepted by the people. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I think actually that there's these giant military organizations, but they're like, yeah, no space wizards are awesome. As opposed to <laughs> that space wizard can just crush our fleets. We kind of need to end them all as fast as we can find them or, or get them on our side or get them on our side. Right. right? There's How do I raise more of those guys. My way, the highway. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very interesting how there's, multiple sides and there's all this stuff kind of mm-hmm. going on and they integrate in not seamlessly, but kind of on the upper echelons of how all the systems that star Wars has built. And yeah. it's beautiful and it's wonderful and that's awesome. Right. But they've chosen to make it that way. When we jump into D and D something familiar to us, but we go into the dark sun setting where you've got psionics. defilers and preservers. Yep. Oh, yeah. Not, not even talking about the psionics everywhere. You have people that will literally yep. drain the lifeblood Life of the land around yep. them in order to cast spells and kill everything. And you have other people that kind of like 
revitalize and mm-hmm. like, you know, encourage growth and cultivate around them as they use their magic. Their magic is slower. It's not as powerful. It's not as necessarily effective in quotations. Um, but they can build in a land that looks kind of like Dune. Um, they can build oases and they can build these green valleys and they can build this. Druids. And then one defiler will come through and just wreck it, right? And so there's, there is issues and there are fundamental issues in the economy, in the kind of agriculture, in mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. does this interact in the world? Who is liked around town? Who is despised around town? Um, jumping to another system, Avatar, Last Airbender, not Blue... No blue guys, right? Yeah, no last last Airbender and and Korra and all those kind of yeah, guys, yeah. right? Um, really interesting. You can control one type of magic unless you're the super special chosen one, and then you control multiples. Yeah, right. How does that affect it? If most of your world has these powers, a little bit or a lot, mm. most people can kind of do something, right? And so there's these kind of widespread acceptance, but also military organizations use it. Um, their entire, entire sweeping changes based on. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. Um, And then we, Harry Potter, I also mentioned, which is not space wizards, uh, but (laughs) British wizards. Um, You know, it's American academies too. And like Bulgarian academies, not just. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, but to be fair, the book series called Harry Potter and not Victor Crumb. It's, it's true. It would be a very different story if it was Victor Crumb. Very different. Yeah. I'd read that story. But then we have, once again, now we've got a system that's very hidden and very secretive. It has its own complex mm. rules and its own complex kind of side rules. It doesn't really make sense. But but, it doesn't know. really make sense. But it it's fine yes. because it's fantasy. Yes. And there's always going to be holes to poke at and whatnot. Yeah. But when we start looking at it, it's, it's just asking yourself these are very popular magic systems that most people kind of maybe they don't understand completely, but you know of, mm-hmm. right? Like we know of these. So how does this adjust your world, right? We talked about in our unboxing, high magic, medium magic, low magic low. settings, right? How does that interact with these particular magic types? What happens if you had to sacrifice a goat or a chicken every time you wanted to cast a spell? Because it's all blood magic, <laughs> right? Then Then people walking around with like carts full of, like farm animals, you're like, yeah. oh, don't mess with that guy. <laughs> Nobody go near the chicken man. You just got a lot of wineskins <laughs> marked. This is chicken. This is goat. <laughs> and like the this date was harvest on yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it, can, it can drastically change how your world feels, how it looks, mm. how your PCs are going to interact with The hypochondriac, don't mess with him. <laughs> he's got the most magic power. <laughs> He's been collecting that shit since he's, he's forever, 10 years old. Forever. Um, these, yeah. So magic is is second big core one. Yes. And and last but not least, and we kind of alluded a, a little bit to this, but is your monsters. Monsters. Is kind of your antagonists and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? Breaking down when you become comfortable with being truly comfortable in creating stat blocks, adjusting monsters and whatnot, allows you great lateral movement in changing your creatures so that as players, regardless of how much D&D you've played, regardless of how much TTRPGs you've played, right? When you see a goblin, you still go, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. My DM always has a trick up his sleeve. Mm -hmm. There's always something going on and we're 12th level. Why are there goblins? Goblins. 
why are there goblins? Um, these these sorts of things can create great byproducts of curiosity, mystery, but displacer they, goblins. But they are oh, such a good idea. <laughs> but they are so <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, but, but you know it, these these do create those kind of weird paradigm shifts. Mm-hmm. So just like okay, remember that what we see is not necessarily what it is. Right. Right. We have right. to interact with it. We have to do these sorts of things. And then once again, because we're talking at the world building level here, um, how does that change the world around them? What happens if you do have a bunch of Tarasks walking around or you take a, a, a game world like Monster Hunter? Mm-hmm. There are just high level CR beasts wandering around all the time. Oh, look, it's another elder dragon parade. Great. Mm. Right. Like how do our town survive? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Right, small groups of elite hunters that go out and hunt these monster hunters. Love that game, right? Yeah, and it's it's just the way that that world works. So, can you bring that into D anD D? Absolutely, you can. Right, but realize that it's going to shift the way your world looks. Right, right? no longer are there massive cities; they're all up in airships. Why? Because the ground ain't safe. Yep. Right. Right. And that's okay. We go down, no problem. We fly on those weird little hide things. Yes. Little bird things. Yeah, yeah. And and that's Little okay. Bird things. Right. Um, so yeah, ask ask yourself simple questions when you're building your worlds, right? And allow yourself to see how those kind of sweeping changes really affect the world around them as you explore these tiny little kind of core points mm-hmm. right and and even if you really want to get down to something that's that's a simple question that's really quite difficult um you know how would the game play if all of the alignments were reversed exactly the same oh that's boring <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys sorry. No, that's, it's, it's yeah, you could you could say that. It could be exactly the same. But would it be? What if all the alignments were if completely all the opposite? Alignments were like the opposite. If liches were chaotic good, it's like if you and, became me and I became you, life would be exactly the same. Oh, but I couldn't play D D. We, 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 we just did it. Did we? You just became me and I became you. Oh, freaky right? Friday. There you go. Great. Oh, listen out there. I just became you and you became me. Oh. Right? See, see how we did that? Nice. It's so good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Defeated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway. But no, it's a good idea. It's a good way of doing it though. You take one simple change in your world mm-hmm. uh, and then you push that idea as far as you can into mm-hmm. your world and see the changes. And it's probably going to be more than you think. Right. 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 I like it. Yeah, yeah. What what happens if dwarves were the primary race? Mm-hmm. What happens if chromatic dragons were good and metallic dragons were evil? Right, right. Um, you know, the, you can do these sorts of big questions. You mm-hmm. can do little questions, right? What if kobolds and gnomes got along? What if underdark wasn't underground but in the sky? It's over, over bright, right? What if it's it's just a huge city and like com- like complex in the sky, made mm-hmm. of clouds and shit? I don't know. Like well, how that change? I don't know. They, the surface world probably get attacked a lot. But I don't know. Like it's probably simple change. Yeah. Right. Oh, an air elemental base. Massive repercussions. Oof. 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 On that note. Yeah. 
No, it's it's interesting. I we've talked a lot about like being unique by like subverting tropes, uh, tropial subversion. You could you could say um, tropification. I think it's cool, and I think there's a lot of benefits to doing that. But I also think that if we're not careful. Um, we can run into some problems because if you're trying, mm. if you're if you're being unique for the sake of being unique, mm-hmm. you, there you will run into some challenges. I think because mm-hmm. um, being unique is cool, but you, there are, there are things you need to think about when you're uh, changing things and subverting tropes because the the system is set up the way it has been set up and the ideas have been set up in the world that the way they are for for reasons mm-hmm. right um, and specifically in the context of D&D and TTRPGs um, there's things you need to keep in mind because Severing Tropes is fun but not at the expense of other things like rules and settings compliance for weird. example I'm normally the, the word of caution this is, I know yeah. I know Tropes aversion. Sean's going to do it. um, Because D&D specifically operates within a very specific set of rules. Mm -hmm. Right? Settings, it's malleable, but Mm -hmm. in general, it's it's kind of set. Right? The the default to D&D, at least. Correct. Um, And it's important to adhere to these um, rules and settings, at least the settings that's been put in place by your DM, right? When you're pursuing this uniqueness that you're trying to go after. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, rules and setting compliance. Uh, you need to respect the game world canon. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, being unique is fun, but respect the established canon and lore of the campaign setting. Okay, deviating too far from that uh, risks creating sort of inconsistencies in the game world. Mm. Right, like um, I don't know in in the DMS at this game world where. Uh, undead have overrun the surface, mm-hmm. right? And everyone is uh, living underground now. They come up just for resources, right? High risk sort of runs, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you decide that for your character, um, you are able to control any undead from a glance uh, with just a glance, uh, and that's it, right? And you're like, well, that is probably inconsistent with the game world that your DM has set, and it will probably create problems, Mm -hmm. right? So be mindful of the game world canon, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe like, oh, no, no, these zombies that raised me were good zombies. Oh, yeah. Right, but the DM's like, they're they're not. They're just, they're all undead. They just want to kill all all, all living things, right? Yeah. Uh, So careful, right? Um, Now, another thing you have to be careful about is Homebrew and variant rules. Mm-hmm. Okay? Be careful if your character concept necessitates rules modifications, mm-hmm. right? Or homebrew stuff like custom races, classes, spells, etc. Everything, everything, right? Because mm-hmm. um, unbalanced homebrew content can and will disrupt the game, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh, some of the rules is written stuff will unbalance and right. ruin the game at times, and these are done by professionals who are getting paid to, to yes to design these yes. game el- gameplay elements mm-hmm. right so uh be so careful with that if you're going to propose any of that kind of stuff 
work with your DM to balance and integrate your content yep. into the, into the campaign, right? Uh, collaborate with your DM, right? With with any of this stuff, really, collaborate with your DM. It's a good rule of thumb, anyways. Mm-hmm. Whether you're doing uh, tropio subversion or not, stop. Uh, <laughs> work closely with the DM when you're developing your character concepts because um, they can and will hopefully uh, guide you on sort of rules and lore uh, and and they'll hopefully try their best to help you create a character that fits in their campaign setting mm-hmm. right uh, they might have to make sort of setting specific adjustments to your right. stuff right but they can also provide insights into how you can integrate your character more fluidly into the campaign. Yeah, right? yeah. There, there, there is a chance that your DM will say, "You know what? I never really thought about it." Okay, there are some good zombies up there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you are more than welcome to take control of one of them at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, how we know what they look like, what they are, what they are, how you discover what they look like versus—that's up for contest. Right? Yeah, but yeah. Um, they're out there. Like, yes, we can do it in this way, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But work with the DM. But if you just session one, you're like, yes, this is it. Yeah. Your DM might have a problem with that. Yeah. Springing right. surprises mm-hmm. is um, not Benita. Yeah. But when you work with your DM, make sure when you're approaching them, uh, have a clear, clear idea of what you want and why you want it. Like specifically. I think the why is more important than the how. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, because the DM it's, can help you figure out how. Correct. It's the why. Like, exactly. I want this, and this is why it's important to me and my yeah. character. Yes. Like, how can we do this? Yes. And most DMs are more than happy to help you out, mm-hmm. I think. Um, next thing you have to worry about is balancing your uniqueness of your character with the party cohesion. Right? Because you're not playing alone. Um, you need to balance your character with the party cohesion because um, you want everyone at the table to have fun. Ah, yes. Yeah. Right? You just because you should. Just because yeah. you're subverting tropes doesn't mean the other people want to subvert, subvert tropes yeah. or deal with that specific uh, tropeal subversion. <laughs> I love that word. Um, tropeal? Yeah. The yeah. new word that we made up. Um, so think about things like role compatibility, right? Uh, consider the roles, the typical roles in a D&D party, tank, healer, damage, mm. support. Uh, try to make sure that your character's concept sort of fulfills a role, maybe not necessarily those roles, but a role that complements the group's needs. Yeah. Right? Instead of the opposite. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so maybe you don't have a tank healer, or healer, maybe you have like a tanky healer type of thing, but whatever, like whatever you're trying to work with your party to make sure whatever your um, whatever your changes fits within that party dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because if your character doesn't align with the party's sort of needs and their and sort of their uh, way of going through the campaign, uh, it'll lead to party conflicts yeah. and reduced fun, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Right and. And maybe even hurt friendships in real life because that yeah real life TBK no no bueno Uh, for example if you're like oh Oh. yeah just a quick trope of mine changing Uh, I can cast as a wizard my spells as a bonus action now right like will that overshadow what the other TPS maybe right because you can now 
free up an entire action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. think about role compatibility when you're doing this kind of stuff. Um, and the last thing I think I want to leave you guys with is uh, this idea of relatability. Oh, okay. Right? Um, tropes that the way they are now are designed in such a way that they are relatable. We've learned to relate to these things. Oh, okay. Uh, mostly because these subverted tropes are tropes that we have already in society are things that uh, have grown out of the society. Yeah. That reflects the society. So we can already automatically relate to them. Yes. But if you're switching that stuff around, you, there's a risk um, that your character might be too out there, right? And make it difficult for others at your table to relate and or understand uh, your character. Yeah. Right? And that hinders role playing. Mm-hmm. And storytelling. Because mm-hmm. you're doing stuff, and I don't know how to react to that. You're telling a story, and I don't really understand the story that you're trying to tell. Yeah. Right? So I can't help you with that. I can't go along with you, because I don't understand it. I can't relate to it. This is, this is an exceptionally good kind of point uh, that you're, you're leaving to the end. Mm. Um, because this, this can be discussed as you go through the story, yep. right? Recession yep. zeroing and all that kind of fun stuff. Because at first, it was okay that you had to kick over every fence post that you saw. Because we <laughs> thought that we were going to be out in the woods a lot. And that's okay. Right. But now we're in town and you're and then we're constantly fighting with the guards. And it's constantly... This the fight. nobles hate and us. We, didn't, the, we yeah. didn't see it. And then you took literally posts to mean like guard posts. So now you're destroying whole <laughs> buildings. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's gone too far, right? It's no longer fun and kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. Or not. Can we dial it back? Can we like, I, I, I want to find a way for you to still be happy. Yeah. Right. Kicking over fence posts, but maybe it's just fence posts. But like, why exactly is that important right. to you and your character? Right. Again. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it should be something that should be open to be discussed. Right. And if it's just cause I want to be unique, Maybe yeah. it's not a good enough reason to disrupt yeah. the, the RP in the in the game in the gameplay. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you're worried about this, there's a couple of things you can do to sort of mitigate that lack of re- relatability. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you can tell me more. Yeah. You can, well ground your personality traits for your character. Like ground it. No, like ground it. Like in ground it so it's solid in the ground. Oh, it's not like like a fence post. Yeah, that that isn't kicked over, <laughs> um, right? Even with a unique character or or like a like a tropial subverted character, subverting yeah. character, it's important to give uh, some personality traits or characteristics that the other people can relate to. Mm-hmm. People, the players can relate to. Oh, humanize your yeah yeah. Make it relatable by having grounded personality traits because we understand those and we can relate to them because. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they're grounded, um, and that what that is that does is it creates that that common ground uh, for role playing, mm-hmm. right? Because I can, I understand this personality trait. Yes, you've given me a hook to which I can yes. take debate on. Yes, for example, I have a weird ass alien from some other plane, right, uh, another world, but my character also has a sense of curiosity and a desire for friendship. I can understand that. That's a way of relating to your character. Right. Right. Um, another thing is uh, using shared experiences. As you're building a character, uh, find ways to connect your character uh, and their backstory with other characters in the party. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've, you've got 
again, another connection point where you can launch the RP from. Yes. And the relatability from, right? Um, so shared experiences, what they do is they they create that relatability and foster sort of that stronger connection between the characters. So then mm-hmm. they, have, they have reasons to care about each other, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they they have things that they can understand about each other already, pre-made, going in. Right. Like, so you yeah, you're a weird-ass alien, but we've gone on an adventure before, and I saved your life, you saved my life, and at least we have that adventure. Yes. Right, in common. Yeah. You know, the, the more kind of tricky or exotic your, your trope subversion is, mm-hmm. should have an equally grounding effect. Yes. I think that's a smart idea, just mm-hmm. to kind of keep everything in check and in balance. Yeah. Yeah. The, absolutely. Yeah. Right, like good advice. Relatability and connection equals better role play. It does. Whether you're subverting tropes or not. Yeah. Right. But if you're subverting tropes, you might need some more of that to balance it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the end, collaborating with your DM and other players is important. Yeah. Right? Sure is. In order to, you know, strike that 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 balance between unique and fun. Well, and, and we've talked about it before, but even setting goals and explaining, mm-hmm. like, hey, guys, I'm not going to tell you how we're going to get there, but one of the goals is for me to explore this type of role play. Yeah. I'm really interested. And that's why I chose this form, because I feel like it will. Mm-hmm. And other people go, oh, now that I understand, I have no problem with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, those things. Be careful, but it's, you, can, you can use uh, the things that I've listed out to yeah. sort of mitigate that. Be careful. Yeah. Be balanced. Be communicative. Be good. Work together. The DM and, and the other players at your table, and have fun. Mm. Have fun with mm. your 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 what tropial subversions. Tropial subversion. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So nice. No, I think I think that's I think that's good. Um, good place to end it. I think. Yeah. Ultimately, I think you guys are already masters at this. You just don't know. Really, because we do that naturally. Yeah. Like we're because D and D is such a creative sort of environment. Yes, and the people who participate in this activity are creative people, mm-hmm. and so. and we know that you can like two characters can be exact same on paper and feel oh, completely different. So right? different. So yeah. I don't know that this is really a problem. I do know that if you're having trouble finding something creative and, and experiencing those roadblocks, you don't know what to do next, and, and like we said, you're chasing that carrot that's out in front of you, uh, and you can't quite grab it. Whatever it is. Just maybe take a breath, take a beat, take a pause, and and see what it is that you've already got, because you can probably add a little cherry on top of that, mm-hmm. and you're golden. You've got a whole new source of uh, life and excitement, right? In that, so right. and ask stupid questions. Yeah, like what if instead of dwarves, there were toaster ovens? I don't know. <laughs> Some shiny toaster ovens, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, underground citadels. Filled with, with Ooh, perfectly toasted bread. bread. Mm. 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 The elves like those guys. The, do they? Because then they gotta have a lot of agriculture because <laughs> of all the toast that they're constantly making. The humans love it though. Oh, halflings! Oh man, oh, the halflings, halflings love it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, eleven like time. Mm. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Want toast? I got toast. I got toast. <laughs> Uh, dwarf has toast if you have wares. Uh, so, if you have coin, if you have coin, uh, yeah. uh, well, anyway, thank you for joining us today. Um, we hope you enjoyed this yeah. little exploration. Hopefully, this has brought to light um, some of the things that you are awesome at because you are awesome at this, and um, we think that I know I do. 
Sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> you got to get your tropial hats on. Yeah. But um, yeah, as always, this was Caffeine oh, and Cantrips. Um, I was Byron. You and are. I am Sean. And um, next time, you'll see us. Or else. Look at you. Look at me. Look at me. Now look at me looking at me. Put me picture in picture. Look at him. You see him? Now look at me. Now look (laughs) at him. Look down. Look up. Look up. Still look up. Move your mouse. Like and subscribe. (laughs) Perfect. 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 Uh, fatality.